This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris Lish, your host, and I am joined, as usual, by a co-host, Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. What's up, Dalton? How you doing? Doing all right. How about yourself, man? All right. I'm kind of stressed out because I am uh, moving back to L.A. for the summer on Friday morning early. And I've actually packed up all my stuff and my suitcase and stored the stuff I'm storing here. But I'm looking around the house and Heather, like, she's just not ready. And she acts like it's cool, like she's got it under control. But the thing I hate is at, like, 7 in the morning, like, Sasha's not listening. And we got to run to catch the plane. And there's, like, 50 things left to do. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Actually, uh, it's been how long now? So, like, you, you, I, I would only imagine that you were like not looking forward to moving back to the states. Well, I mean, you know, it's just for the summer, which is fine, and it's just the trip is going to be a real pain. And I'll go over the horrible itinerary that we have in a second, but it's just that feeling because, like, you know, some people like I am now neurotic to the point where I get everything done in advance. I pack in advance. I get everything ready in advance. I want to wake up the day. I'm taking a big international trip and have all my bags like by the door, all my wallet, keys, stuff like stuff that I just can't forget anything. Like there's no there's nothing left to chance. You know, like it's all set up for me so I don't have to stress. I can wake up and know exactly what to do and I leave tons of leeway so that I'm not rushing to catch my plane if the security line's long, all that shit. And Heather's like the opposite. Like she just like, Yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. I'm gonna have to pack this morning tomorrow morning. Cause Sasha's not going to sleep, you know, whatever it is. And it just, it just, she, she's like that, and I'm the way I am, and it just stresses me out to no end. No, I hear you. I, I'm more on Heather's end. I, I, I wait to the last minute. Um, but uh, it's, it, you, you are the right way to do it, and I get it. <laughs> it's, it's just, why be stressed? You know, like, like so many times. Like now, I'm in charge of what time we leave because there was one time in Paris we were supposed to catch this train. Heather's like, no, no, we can walk around a little bit more. We'll, we'll get the train, whatever. I was sprinting with like four suitcases in the summer, like sweating <laughs> like, a, like an elephant, you know, just like sweating, like covered in sweat, carrying like a stroller and three suitcases, sprinting. You know, those trains, those Eurostars are like 900 yards long. I was sprinting like nine football fields with four suitcases to get to the train to get everything set. And it's like, I don't want to live like that anymore, man. I'm too old for that shit. Yeah. Nice, nice reference. Um, uh, lethal weapon. I'm going to see you soon, too, by the way. Yeah, in Vegas. You're going to Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, uh, the Stopa auction. Um, so you want to talk some sports or what? What? No, I just want to talk about how stressed I am about this fucking trip. <laughs> so listen to this. So listen to this. So here, here's what we did, and it's probably stupid, and my brother was, like, scolding me because he's, like, Mr. Airline Miles. Like, he understands the shit. Like, he's – it's right, too much, right. though. I don't want to live my life around that shit, dude. Fuck that. 
you know, there's some economists that have decided that in order to maximize seats and availability and credit card company income and all the stuff that they do, that there's like this, all these incentives to like, you know, make us like these rats in a maze, like trying to get the miles and trying to optimize our trip. And it's just too much of a headache. I want to live in a human centric world, not a finance centric world, not an optimization math problem centric world. Anyway, what we did, which is probably suboptimal and we're going to pay for it on Friday is 30,000 mile flight on United for each of us to get from uh, L.A. to Newark. And then okay. we are going to get there with four hours and 45 minutes till our flight to L.A. and take a cab from Newark to JFK, which means we go through customs, do have global entries, so it'll be quick, get our bags, get a cab, go to JFK an hour and a half later, recheck our bags, go through security again, and, you know, go and fly to L.A. And these are not connecting flights. These are two separate airlines. There's 20,000 American miles. 30,000 United miles. So if it's late or our bags are delayed or whatever, you know, traffic, whatever, we don't have like, oh, s sorry, sir, we, you missed your connection. We'll, we'll get you a new flight. No, we're just fucked. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Anyway, I just, I'm already stressing out thinking about it. I'm fine. We could talk some sports. I know people would rather hear this, but go ahead. What do you got for me? Uh, I don't have that much. Um, uh, I, uh, a couple things just that I, um, I noticed that the Diamondbacks are 15 to 1 odds right now uh, to win the World Series. Right. They have to, they have to uh, you know, uh, it's, it's not great having to uh, play a play-in game, but they're the third best uh, run differential in, in baseball right now. And, and let, me, let me tell you other teams that are way, way more favored, the Red Sox, the Cubs. The Indians, the uh, Dodgers, the Yankees, the even the Mariners. I mean, I mean, this is crazy, right? I, uh, so, so, so that to me is uh, is is the the time to pounce. Yeah, but think of it this way, right? Like, if if you're in the playing game, you're basically in the round of sixteen, right? Because if you win the playing game, then you're in the round of eight. You're in the quarterfinals, correct? Sure. Sure. So it should be 15 to 1, right? 1 in 16, 15 to 1. Like, that's your odds if you're in the playing game, right? And you're equal to everybody else. But if you're in the playing game, you're going to be on the road a little bit more than the other team. So that's a little bit of a disadvantage. Of course, you're, well, I guess you got Robbie Ray and, and, and Granky, which is too legitimate. Well, and Taiwan Walker, and look how good, how, how good Zach Godley's been. Yeah, that's true. It, um, I still think fifteen to one. That was just true odds. Plus, you know, you have the road disadvantage. So it's not like it's like for Vegas standards, that's probably generous. But it, like, it's just true odds. Assuming they even made the playoffs. Right. Assuming right. the season ended, and they made the playoffs. No, I agree with you. It's true odds, but the uh, so so it's not really that advantageous. But it's just compared to the rest, it's it's a, it's a time to pounce. How about this? What about Floyd Mayweather is down to minus six fifty. I know. I feel like I feel like dropping a lot of money on that. I know, like, uh, me and my friends have gone, have gone big, big. We've gone big. It's free money, man. It's free money. Right. It's free money, but it's a lot to win a little. But it's still free money. It's so free money. It's crazy because these UFC people have, have just. It, it, it used to be minus nine hundred, and and people are are just going crazy on the other side. So, um, I, I I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> We've gone big, me and my friends. And uh, I mean, what should uh, it really be? Like minus two thousand? Like if it were just true odds? Like there's a chance that like Mayweather, you know, has horrible stomach pains and has to, you know, quit the fight or something. You know, like he ate something, he got food poisoning, 
and he literally is going to pull a Dalton Dell down at the rest stop if he doesn't get out of the ring right away, <laughs> and he has to resign, right? Like, like literally, it's like you drinking the goat. He dr- he drank some goat milk, some raw goat milk, and he's got to get out. Like stuff like that happens. There's two human beings. Like anything can happen, right? Or he could just totally have a brain cramp and just walk into a punch and get knocked out. Right? I mean, it, it's possible, but it's like twenty to one, right? Yeah, it's twenty. It should be twenty to one. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah, I was thinking about that, but the problem is I'm not going to go back to collect in Vegas. Like once I'm going to go to Vegas this summer when you're there for the <laughs> Red Wire All Star break. Um, but um, don't you can't no sneezing on the podcast, man. That's not part sorry, of your, sorry, don't sorry, don't sorry, ever don't ever do that again. Um, but uh, you know, it's like so. Then I got to mail it in. You know, I don't know. I'll be in Europe, but that's the only problem. But I guess I could just have him. I could give you my ticket and just have you cash it and PayPal me. Actually, is what I could do. Absolutely, yes. I mean, minus six fifty seems like it, it's it's free money, right? Right. I was thinking, you know, you just put like thirteen hundred, win two hundred. You know, like all right, I won two hundred bucks for free. Take myself to dinner. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, for sure. Um, so did you watch the NBA awards show? No, fuck no. <laughs> I Drake watch, was actually I watch the finals, of, man. Drake, hold I watch on, the hold award on. Show? Drake was actually kind of funny, but uh, I, I had money bet on Harden before the season, so I was upset about that. And happy Draymond won, but but yeah, pretty pretty interesting that they now have a, a, a pomp and circumstance. Yeah, I don't know. I you know awards award shows like there's certain things like you know sports are settled on the court or on the field or whatever you want to call it, and that's why we like sports to an extent. I mean, sometimes the refs do it. Sometimes you get like the Super Bowl where like it's just stupid play calling or whatever, you know, it can be frustrating, but for the most part, like games are settled on the merits. You know, it's like one player defeats another, but award shows are just people's opinion, right? Like award, not just shows, awards are just people's opinions. You know, who makes the all-star team, who makes the hall of fame, who makes, you know, who wins the MVP. So like, it's already bullshit, right? I mean, it, there's a numerical basis for it, but it's just when it's close, it's just someone's opinion. So, I would, I would probably, I'm probably not their demographic that they're looking for. Gotcha. Um, so, you, you, did you see that Phil Jackson was fired? Uh, I didn't even notice. No, I, didn't <laughs> I only notice even have to bring this up because of last week's uh, talk. Yeah. Well, he was fired as the GM, right? So. Didn't, didn't somebody, there was somebody who said, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was you who said that like they offered him all this money to be the GM. He couldn't turn it down because it's so much money. And then, you know, so now they fired him, what, they have to pay out his contract? So <laughs> it's not like, it's not the end of the world for him. No, absolutely not. It's like $24 million coming his way or something. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I, I'm going to actually go to your columns and make it uh, the rest of this. About you, but uh, but did you did you did you watch the Better Call Saul finale? I did. Yes, I did. Dark, right? I mean, in the scheme of life, it didn't seem as dark. You know, I mean, it was obviously dark. The the very end with uh, Chuck won't spoil it, but maybe I just did. Um, but it's it was pretty dark, and but there was you know the part that wasn't dark. I mean, it was dark what he did, you know, manipulating those old ladies. But he he took one for the team to make it right. Mm-hmm. You know that was kind of, you know that was kind of big. You know he 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 became the bad guy and and lost the the big payday. Right, right, right. I will I will just go uh, before we go to your 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 topics. Um, everyone should watch Twin Peaks: The The Return. Uh, that that is unbelievable. 
Uh, it's the weirdest show I've ever seen, ever, ever. Um, but you should watch Twin Peaks. Uh, All right. What is it on? Netflix? Showtime. Uh, we just got rid of Showtime. All right. I got to get it back. No, no, no. But I promise you, I, I actually, I watch too much TV lists. I think I might rank it number one. All right. All right. I'll, we'll do it. We'll get it back. We'll get Showtime back. It's crazy. It's, it's so crazy. Anyway, so so talk about the five stars I probably won't own this year. All right. So I got five dudes that, based on their ADP, I'll probably not own them. The highest one is Mike Evans. To me, he's a volume guy last year. The reason he was good, he had 173 targets, led the NFL. They brought in some help. And I just don't think, without leading the NFL in targets, that he's at the same level of player that A.J. Green or Julio Jones or Odell Beckham is or Antonio Brown. And so given the same number of targets, he shouldn't be drafted where they're getting drafted, but he is. So I'm probably going to pass. You agree with that? No, I, I, I actually was high on him because I, 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 it's, it's interesting to me that you say that. because, But you were right about Hopkins. You, you had the same kind of theory about him last year, right? I did have the same theory about Hopkins and Pierre Garçon after 2012 or whatever, is that these guys are good, but they're not. Garçon I didn't even think was good, but maybe he's okay, it turns out. But but these guys are not, you know, Julio Jones is like one of the top maybe five receivers in NFL history. A.J. Green might be one of the top 12, right? I mean, this, these guys are really, really good. And Odell Beckham may be one of the top five when all is said and done. So you got Mike Evans, who's big, and he's fast for his size. I mean, he's huge, and he's fast for his size. He's like a 4-5 or five for his size that's very fast. But I see him more like maybe Brandon Marshall, you know, at best Brandon Marshall. That would be peak Evans. And, you know, I, again, like I think Brandon Marshall is really good and could go late in the first round at his peak, but unless he's leading the league in targets, I'm going to take those other guys ahead of him. And so the no running questions. backs. And the running backs, too. Like, you know, a couple of the running backs. So you would take, uh, I mean, interesting to me because um, you, don't, you don't like Thomas either. Michael Thomas either. You know, the problem with Michael Thomas is I went back to 2006 since Breeze joined the Saints. And the guy who had the most targets for him in the entire span. Remember, this is the quarterback who's thrown by far the most passes in that span. You know, right. you, you could just take, like, the highest QB every year. He'd be the highest a few years. Stafford was the highest a couple other years. I mean, he'd be almost every year he's in the top three in attempts. And despite that, you know, so it's, it's not like he, he's going to go down in attempts. He'll have plenty of attempts. But despite having so many attempts and so many yards, certainly he has the most yards in that span. Um, the highest target total anyone's ever had for him was 2011, Jimmy Graham at 149. And then once in 2007, Colston, the highest receiver, is 143, right? And it wasn't like Jimmy Graham had so much competition, or Colston, when Graham wasn't even there, had barely any competition. So you got Willie Sneed's going to get his. They're going to throw to the backs. Kamara, they'll probably make Peterson catch 20 passes. They'll throw to Ingram. They'll throw to Fleener. They'll throw to whoever the backup tight end is. You know, they'll throw to Brandon Coleman, whoever the hell the fourth receiver is. They'll throw to Ted Ginn. They'll spread it around. And Thomas will get his 140 targets or whatever it is that the top receiver in Breeze's entire tenure got, let's say. But Thomas is slow. He ran like a 4-5-7. Like, he's not going to get a lot of long passes. Ted Ginn's going to do that job. In fact, Thomas only had one catch of 40-plus last year. So what's he really going to do? He's going to catch a lot of, like, 12-yard passes. And not even that many. He's not going to catch a, you know, he's not going to catch a hundred, hundred ten of them. He's going to catch like eighty-eight of them, twelve-yard passes. So the yardage is kind of capped. The catches with the, min, you know, with the maxed-out targets is going to be good but modest. 
And then the, the real upside is TDs, but you know Thomas is six three and he's good size, but I don't see any reason to think he's going to get more than like nine or ten TDs. So I, I just want a little more ceiling for my early second round or late first round receiver. He's got a good floor. He, he's going to be involved, but I see him more like Colston, who was you know sort of like an eighty. 85, 1109 guy every year. Sure, I see that. But, I, you know, I don't like him going ahead of some of the other receivers. I'd rather have Amari Cooper. I think I'd rather have, you know, Dez. I'd rather have probably T.Y. Hilton. I'd rather have a bunch of guys. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Uh, I'm actually going to, uh, well, I probably will outbid you for sure in Stopa with, with Michael Thomas just because they throw the ball so much and um, there's no one else there. So um, well, I mean, they've always thrown the ball so much, and never in any of those seasons has Breeze targeted anyone 150 times. Last year, there were nine receivers who got 150 targets. Just last year. Okay, all right. So talk about your other guys uh, that you that you dislike. McCoy, uh, McCoy's just got 1,900 carries, and he could be huge. And he was great last year. He averaged 5.4 yards per carry and 50 catches in like 15 games. They didn't even play all those 15 games, but. The year before, he had 4.2 yards per carry and 4.4 the year before that. His best days are definitely, not definitely, his best days are most likely behind him. And I'd rather just get out now. I'd rather not buy into Peak McCoy one more year. He start, you know, he got in the league in 2009 and has pretty much had a heavy workload every single year. Because he was young, though. He was super young. Yeah, but he's young, but he's still getting the mileage, right? I mean, he just started at an earlier age. So yeah. even though he's only like 28 or whatever, but he's got the mileage of a 30 year old 31 year old yeah yeah no no i'm not i'm not high on mccoy either I mean, what about jordan nelson though jordan nelson is not the same player he was from 2011 to 2015 he was like deshaun jackson almost he wasn't quite as much of a deep threat but he was getting six eight 40 yard catches he was averaging 15 yards a catch 10 11 yards one year per target I mean, Jordy Nelson was a big play machine. He was a he was a per play monster. It was him and Deshaun Jackson were the per play kings of the NFL, from 2011 to 2015. In in 2016 or 2014, because I guess Jordy missed 2015. In 2016, Nelson uh, had a great year fantasy wise, but he was averaging like 12 point something yards per catch, eight point something yards per target. He wasn't the same guy. And even in the second half, when he averaged nine and a half yards per target, coming closer to his per play averages from before. It was just because he caught everything thrown his way. He caught like 75% of the balls thrown his way. It wasn't because he was making bigger plays. So he's no longer the big play guy. So how did he get so many points? Well, he got a ton of targets. He caught an unsustainable amount of them. And then he got 32 red zone looks. You, you know who was – he had 32. He's first. You know how many the number two guy had? How many? 23. Okay, so number one wow. at 32. Wow. And then Beckham and Devontae Adams were tied at 23. Now, Jordy's still going to be among the league leaders, if not the league leader in red zone targets, but it's going to be more like 25, right? You, he's not going to be like on, a, on an island all by himself. Secondly, Adams gets a lot of red zone looks too, and the reason they both were able to get so many red zone looks is because the Packers threw at a historic pace. Like, they just threw every time, never ran it. They had six non-quarterback rushing touchdowns, right? So they, they had six rushing touchdowns wow. all year from a team that scored a ton of points, right? So this is... That was like, you know, an outlier year. It's kind of like the Jaguars in 2015 when, you know, it was like Allen Robinson had 14 touchdowns. But last year, Jordy had 14 touchdowns. Plus, Jordy's right. 32. You know, I mean, he's 32 years old. I mean, the, the bottom could fall at any moment. So I'm not taking him in the first round. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, what about your best ball thoughts? Uh, to uh, I'll give you more of a platform, uh, your East Coast offense. Uh, all, right. Just, all right, if you want. Um, 
best ball. I don't know if I'm if I know what I'm doing yet, but my theory is to take. <laughs> well, clearly you never know what you're what you're yeah, doing, no, but especially in this because I'm you know it's not like I've ever won any best ball leagues or anything. Uh, but my theory is that you take running backs early, guys with full time work, you know, three down backs if you can for you know two or three rounds, because the thing is, running back is the most volatile position. And if you if you're like guessing at like who's gonna get the job in the middle rounds, like you ne- you know you just may have no running backs. Whereas like if you get, you know, even if you get like Melvin Gordon or Jay Ajayi, and then the round two you get Demarco Murray, and round three you you know Devonta Freeman. I got Ajayi and Freeman and the one two picks. It's like you know that injury is your risk, but if they're reasonably healthy, you're gonna get points at running back, right? And that's that. And then right. receiver is extremely volatile week to week. But year to year, it's not that volatile. So if you have Deshaun Jackson or Ted Ginn or even Pierre Garçon or, you know, who's like kind of a PPR, more reliable guy, you know, at the end of the year, if they're healthy, they're going to get, you know, Garçon's going to get 75, 80 catches. Deshaun Jackson's going to get 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. You know, Ginn will probably get 800 yards and five touchdowns. You're just going to get those plays from those guys. And and you're not going to be able to – you're not going to have to time it because it's best ball. You don't have to choose when to start them. So – you go volume at receiver and hope that covers you, like eight guys, and you go quality at running back, like three guys, and then the rest of your picks are on a couple tight ends, you know, a couple, two or three QBs, two or three defenses. Yeah, that ma- that makes sense for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, best ball is definitely different, but um, it's the opposite, really, right? Because running backs are really predictable game to game. Like you know who's starting, you know what kind of touches they're probably going to get, and the re- and so you want to wait on running back because. You know, you can when guys get hurt, you there's always players that when you pick them up, you know what to do with them, right? You know where to plug them in, right? As soon as somebody goes down, you're like, oh, his backup is going to get all these carries. Uh, and so you can really adjust easily at running back. Receiver's hard to adjust at, right? Like if you're trying to pick up a receiver that had a hot week, you don't really know the next week if they're going to get looks. That's the hard – receiver's like a really hard position to stream and mix and match. It's so random because the amount – the sample is so small. You don't get 20 touches. You get like five or six targets, and you don't know what's going to happen on those five or six targets. And it's cornerback dependent, too. So, like, you know, receivers really hard to deal with week to week in a season long. So you want to go get really, really good receivers that you just leave in there. And then you sort of figure it out at running back. But in best ball, it's the opposite. You want to get really, really good running backs because right. you're not going to be able to make right. any moves during the year. And you want to just get a ton of receivers that have a role. But, you, you know, you know week to week that anything can happen. Right. Totally. Agreed. Um, all right, Liz, we have like two minutes left. Do you have any political comments? Come on. Yeah, you have to have something. I got into an epic Twitter debate with some people uh, yesterday, which is, is just not worth it. But I, I don't understand why people don't see what's going on clearly. Right. Like people <laughs> well, at CNN. Explain, got, explain. No, hold on. Explain. People at CNN just got fired. Three of them for making up stuff. I don't know. I can't remember the exact thing about some investor being tied to Russia and Trump. And it would just turned out to be totally false. And they, they resigned or they got fired from CNN. Like they, CNN retracted the report. And this has happened many times. Like there's these Russia-Trump reports. They're way over the top. And the reason is that, that the, the media really wants this to be true, right? Instead of being a media which is like, is this true? Maybe it is true. Why don't we investigate? Let's see what we can find. They're like, let's assume this is true and prove it. Like that's kind of the attitude they have, which is not what the media is supposed to do. And you have to wonder, like, why are they so invested in this being true? It might well be true. Maybe there was collusion. I doubt it because I think they would have found it by now. But who knows? I can be wrong. I don't have any special information. 
But the media is going out there and, and making these outrageous claims. And the reason they do, they get a source who says, hey, I've got the dirt. And normally they should be very skeptical of an anonymous source with an agenda, but they're not. They have anything they have, they run with it, they publish it, then they end up retracting it. Three guys got fired over this at CNN. They were totally embarrassed. And I think the reason they're, they're pushing so hard to find this, rather than being reporters and saying, okay, here's a possible story. Is this true? Let's track this down. Is that the media and you know, Muslims supported Hillary Clinton, but whether or not they supported her, they got the story so wrong. It was so embarrassingly wrong. The pundits, the consultant class, they were just so clueless. So, like, if it's, well, we were right, except Russia interfered. We would have been right. That's like, they're desperate to find an excuse. Like, if, if they can get, like, a reason, like, oh, no, 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 we weren't wrong about all the stuff we were telling you with such certainty. It was just that they cheated, right? Like, they really want to find that to be true. Because if it's not true, it's just so incredibly embarrassing. Like, they don't know anything. It would be like you and me guaranteeing a certain player is going to go off this year or a certain team is going to win the Super Bowl and just mocking right. any sort of other prediction and then being totally wrong. Like, we, we'd want to hope that, like, you know, there was, like, a, a Tim Donahue, like, on the take or something to like, get, get us off the hook. Right, right. And Real quick, um, I know you, you have to go here in a second, but um, what about the uh, the fact that now I, – uh, boy, I shouldn't get into this, but um, – People are giving uh, Obama a hard time because he knew about the um, the Russian thing, and, and that's what Trump is saying. Like, what what is going on with that? I mean, I I don't know. The, I don't know all of that. I don't I don't probably have time to get into it in a nuanced way that would make any sense. But um, you know, I'm not I'm but not. It's a big funny, but it's funny. But for him, you know, he he wasn't involved, and now he's now giving Obama a hard time. I mean, that that's kind of crazy, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. I, I've heard stuff about it, but I, I don't want to, like, go into a rant about it and be totally wrong on the facts. So I will just – I got I, I can't really say anything informative okay. about it. All right, man. All right, man. Good times, Liz. All Love right, you. Tom. Thanks, man. Right. I will right. uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on the show, and I'll see you in Vegas. Okay. See you, Liz. All right. Take it easy.